You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Today's message is called Wildly Authentic. Wildly Authentic. One of our culture values at church is to be wildly authentic. Think with me to a time when you've tried to be someone that you're not. Someone or something that you're not. Now, a lot of you would know this, but I used to work in a pizza restaurant and I used to work and love it, meeting people from everywhere. And people used to always play a game with me in my accent, guessing where I was from. And there was this guy came in one time with his family, really nice family. And in front of his kids, his wife, he looks me in the eyes with confidence. And he says, so whereabouts in Scotland are you from? <laughs> now I felt for this guy, he was so confident. He was bold. He was like, yeah, I've got this. His kids are smiling. His wife's smiling. They think he's done it. He's got it. And me being me, I didn't want to let him down. So I told a little bit of a fib and I said, well, I'm from Glasgow. Thinking, yeah, I'll be the end of the conversation. Great. And his family all light up. They get excited. And he says, no way. My granny was from Glasgow. Whereabouts in Glasgow are you from? This would have been the perfect opportunity to dig my way out of that hole. Instead, I said, the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, I'm from near the Ibrox football stadium. The family couldn't believe it. He said, my granny lived beside the Ibrox stadium. What street did you live on? The color drains from my face. I just want the ground to swallow and suck me up and take me away. Jesus, if you're coming back, come back right now. Take me from this awkward moment. As I then pedal my way out of that and said, I am so sorry. I'm actually from Belfast, Northern Ireland. I just didn't want to let you die. I bet you've had those moments in life too, haven't you? When you've tried to be someone or something that you're not. But the reality I want to suggest this morning is that no one ever made a difference by being like everyone else. Rather, we need to be authentic. The dictionary definition of to be authentic is this, is real, true, honest, genuine, not a copy, not a counterfeit, not fake, and not false. A little bit like my sunglasses. They, excuse me for a moment while I wear sunglasses inside, my wife's pet hate right now. (laughs) Unlike my sunglasses, see, they look the part. They've got the sticker on the lens. They look like a certain brand. They look like the real thing. They look authentic. But when I tell you I got them two weeks ago at a market in Spain, and the name is not in fact Ray Bans, the name is Roy Bonds, you'll know straight away that for 10 euros, they are not the real deal. They're not authentic. They are just a copy. Check out this photo on screen of a chameleon blending into its background. See if you can 
spot it on the screen. Do you see it? Chameleon blending in there just on the right. Thank you so much, AV team, for pointing that out. The chameleon blending into its environment. It's a copy, making itself like everything and everyone else. And I want to suggest today, church, if we're not careful, the danger is we can become like the chameleon conforming and performing to whatever environment that we're in. Instead, I wanna suggest today, we've got to live a transformed life and be wildly authentic, just like Jesus was. Our journey today, therefore, is not one of conforming, but it is one of transforming. Luke 4, verses 42 to 43, we pick up this story right at the start of the Gospel of Luke, says this in the Bible, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. There's nobody there, he's on his own. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Now, the context of Luke 4 just now is Jesus has just been baptized. He's being tempted in the desert. He's back in his hometown, and he's getting a mixed response to his message and his preaching. He's getting acceptance, he's getting rejection, and he's getting everything in between. Jesus finds himself in three different environments. Jesus finds himself in private Jesus finds himself publicly accepted and Jesus finds himself publicly rejected. And I wanna suggest to live wildly authentic is to live like Jesus. So we're gonna unpack these three different contexts together. The first one is Jesus in private. Luke 4 verse one says this. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, catch that, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. He was craving a pizza. He was starving. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. There are some things in the Bible that only Jesus should do. Jesus went into the temple, flipped the tables and fashioned a bunch of cords into a whip to drive out the money changers. He was filled with the righteous anger of God. I wanna suggest that's something that only Jesus should do. If you come in here, start flipping some tables and come in with some sort of weird, dodgy weapon, we're gonna get the police and we're gonna arrest you and take you out. Something that only Jesus should do. Jesus, in mud, spits on the mud and puts it on somebody's eyes for them to be healed. I wanna suggest, for safeguarding reasons, that is something that only Jesus should do. Here, Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, eating nothing, isolated and alone. I wanna suggest that, that is something that only Jesus should do, spending 40 days in isolation. Why should we not spend 40 days in isolation? 
because it's in the place of isolation where it's the dark room where we develop our negatives. It's in isolation that the devil wants to distract us, lie to us, sow seeds of discontentment, negativity against our friends, against the church, against our workplace. He wants to find you in a place where you're isolated and you're alone. It's like the gazelle pack that are crossing the veranda. The lions look for the gazelles that are on their own. We shouldn't be alone on our own for 40 days, but there are moments in our lives every day where we are alone, where we are in private. Jesus in this moment was in complete isolation. There's nobody else around. There's nobody watching Jesus. Jesus could have compromised his character, compromised who he was in the place of isolation. But Jesus could be wildly authentic in private because he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was being transformed by the word of God. And Luke 4 verse 1 says, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4 verse 4, man shall not live on bread alone. This is Jesus quoting Deuteronomy 8 Three, Jesus doesn't just quote the Bible as head knowledge, but he applies it as action real time in his world. There are many people, scholars, academics, Christians even, not you guys because you're perfect, but Manchester campus that know the word of God, but it is the Bible, it's knowledge. It doesn't become the transformative word of God because it's not applied to their world and applied to their context. Even the devil can quote scripture. He three times quotes scripture at Jesus, but Jesus doesn't just quote the scripture back verbatim. He lives it out in his action and refuses to fall into temptation because he's living by the relational, by the living, by the active word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and it's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. John 1 verse 14 in the message says it like this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So how do you experience this transformative word of God in private? I want to suggest the Bible gives us the answer in John 8, 31. Jesus speaking, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth doesn't set you free, but abiding in the word does. Abide is this Greek word, meno, which means to Remain, and you today, Audacious Church, can live a wildly authentic, transformed life when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you are being transformed by remaining and abiding in the life-changing, transformative Word of God. Be transformed, not conformed. Live wildly authentic and live like Jesus. The second place we find Jesus in this context is Jesus being publicly accepted. Turn to your neighbor and say, publicly accepted. The Bible in Luke 4 verse 15 says this. He was teaching in their synagogues and everybody praised him. 
Let's face it, we all love a bit of praise, don't we? I used to play hockey. Some of you will know that because I always talk about it. And for some reason, I was really good at one aspect of hockey as the goalkeeper. I was great at penalty shootouts. So I was good. I was the man of the hour. I loved penalty shootouts. And there's a photo of yours truly coming up on the screen. There he is on the left with no moustache at all, no facial hair, nothing going on. And it says this on the screen, Lee Brown kept his nerve in a penalty shootout for the thirds. Oh, come on. Don't you love it when the newspaper sings your praise? Don't you love it in work when people say, good job, when they sing your praise? And then just to keep me humble, here's another photo of me letting one in. The Bible says Jesus was praised by everyone. And in seven verses later, Luke 4.22, again says, all spoke well of him and were amazed. Everything's going so well for Jesus. The PR company are telling him, good job, Jesus. Keep doing what you're doing. The people love you. The approval ratings are going through the roof. If you just keep doing what you're doing, saying what you're saying, everybody will love you. But the danger for us is that public praise can inflate our ego, inject pride and self-reliance. Accept praise. Be thankful for praise. Give Praise, but don't allow others' praise of you to define you and refine you. Absolutely encourage, absolutely honor, absolutely lift one another up. But praise can become a problem when the receiver allows it to become pride. Say that again so you catch it. Praise can become a problem when the receiver allows it to become pride. 1 Samuel 18, Saul is in this moment, King Saul. He sees King David coming back into town. He's done some incredible things, incredible achievements, and the people are singing his praises. They sing of Saul. Saul has killed his thousands. Man, Saul is loving this moment. It's ego inflating. They're praising him. It's good. But then they say this, but David has slain his tens of thousands. What happens now is Saul interprets that praise, lets it soak and sit in his heart, becomes prideful. And after this moment, the Bible says, he keeps his eye on David. Another version, translation, says he never trusts David again from that moment. Saul allows praise to become pride. And I wanna suggest today, when praise becomes pride, the only way out of pride is to praise. Here's what Jesus does in Luke 10, 22. So Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. The antidote to pride is to praise, to praise the name above every name. Jesus never allowed the glory to be absorbed. He allowed it to be mirrored. And you can know when you're in a prideful place, when it becomes all about you. When you soak up the glory, we were never intended to be glory magnets. We were intended to reflect and shine and push the glory to God. Yes, I have a gift. Yes, I have a calling. Yes, I have a skill, but it's given to me by the Lord of Lords. So let's praise the Lord. If you've got a pride problem, the antidote is to praise. 
not absorbing the glory, but reflecting and praising God so that the praise won't stick in your heart and the crowd won't define you. Jesus here doesn't allow public acceptance to alter his assignment or define his character. He doesn't live confined by public acceptance. He moves from this moment where he's publicly accepted and it would be easy for him to change his calling, change his character, change who he is and who he was called to be because of the praise of the crowd. But instead, Jesus, in a couple of verses, moves from being publicly accepted to being publicly rejected. It's the last piece, publicly rejected. Luke 4, verses 28 to 29 says this. When they heard this, the same crowd, the people in the synagogues were furious. They're angry. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. Catch this first. They intended to push him over the cliff. Jesus goes from being praised to being canceled in a couple of verses. How fickle is the crowd? But that's how we live our life. By the likes on social media, by the approval of others, by the praise or lack of praise from the crowd. But look how fickle the crowd is. They go from one moment praising Jesus to one moment canceling Jesus. Jesus doesn't live refined by their acceptance or by their rejection. The Open Doors group says this, that at least 360 million Christians experienced high levels of persecution and discrimination in 2022. We said again, it sounds like a figure, but every number has a name, name has a face. 360 million Christians experienced high levels of persecution and discrimination. This is 20 million higher than 2021. Now let's face it, we don't experience it like that on that scale here in the UK, but we absolutely do experience it. We experience it through verbal rejection, bullying, pressure, family disapproval, societal skepticism. But to live wildly authentic and be the people of God that we're called to be, we have to learn to embrace rejection. Each and every one of us has to learn to embrace rejection. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus has a defining moment. The chapter before in Luke 3.21, where it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You're my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Before Jesus done anything noteworthy, before he started healing the sick, raising the dead to life, Jesus had a life-changing, life-shaping, character-defining moment with God where he's set apart, he's baptized, and he's ready to go. So the who he was, what he was called to do was never in doubt because he had this moment with God where he turned back to, the in private, when he was tempted, when he was alone, when nobody was looking, he remembered the moment, said, I've been set apart. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm a man on a mission. When Jesus is in the public and everybody loves him, he's getting praise. The newspaper articles are rife with information saying how awesome he is. He remembers, I'm a man on a mission. I've got an assignment. I've got to go to the cross. And even in the rejection, when he's on the edge of the cliff, 
about to be pushed over and killed. He doesn't turn around and say, guys, I was just joking, I've changed my mind. He stayed true to the calling of God, wildly authentic. And you can live wildly authentic by being transformed by the Word of God and transformed by the Holy Spirit. But you too need that moment. Bible says in, I think it's the book of James, Thessalonians, stop, never stop being filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. The moment's good. I remember my moment in 2011 being baptized. I remember in 2011 being filled with the Holy Spirit. But 12 years later, I can't live off the crumbs of an encounter 12 years ago. I've got to get into the secret place be filled with the Holy Spirit, be transformed by the Word of God so that when I'm in private and I'm tempted to throw my calling away, I remember who I'm called to be. That in public, when the crowd praises you, they love you, they're for you. I'm not swayed by my mission and my assignment. And when the crowd rejects me, when it's all over Facebook about the things that I do that's counter to culture, I remember. I am called, appointed, anointed, equipped, and assigned by the Word of God. And you too, church, you need that moment. But it says this in the Bible, in Luke 4:42. early next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. Monday morning tomorrow, early the next morning, you, Dangara, you, Ahmed, you, Claire, went out to an isolated place and were filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed by the Word of God. So it didn't matter what was happening in your environment, you could live wildly authentic because you're being and have been transformed by the Word of God. When was the last time you went to an isolated place? Not talking about a geographical place, talking about a room of consecration, talking about a place where you're with the Lord, place where you're on your face, place where you're deep in the Word of God, not just reading it as a textbook, but allowing your life to be refined and transformed by it. When were you last in your office or in your room with worship music on getting breakthrough? Sunday's good, it's the public place. Church is great, we love church. We even sing a song, oh how I love this house. We love the house of God. But there's a moment in your life, every day I wanna suggest, where you go to an isolated place. God can do more in five minutes than you could do in a lifetime. But we've gotta give him the five minutes. For you to live wildly authentic is about being true to who he's called you to be and being transformed by the Word of God so that you put your preferences aside, you put your wants, your likes, your desires aside, you even put your theology aside to be transformed by the Word of God because it's in this place where we're transformed, where we're marked, where we're changed. It's living and active. Thousands of years of people encountering God. Go to the Psalms, read about David, Read about the times where he's in the cave, he's alone. He praises God. Read about the times where he's king, he's in the palace, he praises God. And you're gonna find yourself both in the pit and in the palace in your lifetime, many times in your lifetime. 
But I wonder what is your response? Is it yet God, I'll praise you. Is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If you, my God, are my comforter. Today, church, let's be wildly authentic and draw in to an isolated place, the secret place, the room of consecration, and be transformed by the presence and the word of God. So I feel like it's my duty as a pastor to start that right here, right now, to give you an easy starting point for the rest of your week and the rest of your life. Because we are called not to be conformed in a world where the crowd shouts the loudest, gets the attention. We are called to be transformed. Romans 12 verse two says, be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. So right now we're gonna allow His Spirit in this place to transform our thinking and transform our mind. So right where you are, just sit. Maybe you need to close your eyes, bow your head, get out your journal. Band are just gonna play softly in the background. And right now we're gonna create a room of consecration in this place. Allow your spirit to be moved by the words of God. Allow His presence in this place to speak to you. So right now, I just come to the feet of the Father with open arms. He's welcoming you in to spend time with you. There is no condemnation in this place. He says to you, welcome home, child. It is great to be with you and to see you. So hear from God. Be transformed in this moment for the next couple of minutes as we wait on Him. Father, we pray in this moment that you would speak to us. Speak to us about how we create those rooms of consecration in our lives and in our world. God, that you wouldn't be a last resort, but you would be the first place where we position our hearts and our minds in the morning, in the evening, in the day. When we're tempted to forfeit our callings and sacrifice who we are in private, Father, I pray we would be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, filled with power, with integrity, with authenticity. God, when we're in public, 
and we're celebrated for what we can do. God, I pray our spirits wouldn't absorb, but would reflect. We wouldn't be offended by the praise of others, but God, we would know that in your eyes, we are called, we are loved, we are chosen. And Father, when we're rejected, when they hurl insults at us, when they take us to the courts, when they take us to wherever they wanna take us for loving you, for serving you, for pinning our lives on the cross, Father, I pray that in the midst of rejection, God, we would stay true to who you've called us to be, followers of Jesus, no turning back. God, enable us today by your Spirit to live wildly authentic, transformed and not conformed. show us practically this week how we create that room that it's not just a Sunday moment but God it's a lifestyle of following you I pray Lord that we would be strong we would be deep lovers of your presence of your house of your word of the people of God that we wouldn't let offense bitterness hurt pride all those things come and get a foothold in our lives but Lord we would continually continually be filled with the Spirit, transformed by the Word of God, not by our opinions of the Word of God. So Lord, I pray we would be deep people in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.